keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Thursday, November the 17th, 2022. The Memorial Feast Day of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. Pray for us. Twelve Senate Republicans, 18 Catholics in the Senate, voted to redefine marriage yesterday. It's all but over, actually. We're going to talk about that coming up at 15 past the hour. Uh, Then at 35 past the hour, reverence in the Mass. Is it possible to have a Eucharistic revival, which the bishops have uh, called for in our country? Is it even possible to have a Eucharistic revival without holy reverence in the Mass? We're going to have that conversation with Father David Hust at 35 past the hour. Do join us. Hector Molina will join us at the top of the next hour to get you ready for the Sunday coming with a look at the gospel, which uh, if you're going to the Novus Ordo Parish, that means it's going to be Feast of Christ the King. So uh, look forward to that in the next hour if you can join us. So many stories in the news, of course. Uh, as we uh, pointed out, uh, the, the Senate has voted to redefine marriage. Uh, they've also reelected Mitch McConnell as their leader on the Republican side. Interesting. Uh, Waukesha Christmas Parade Killer Daryl Brooks gets six consecutive life sentences. Is it because seven wasn't available? I'm just curious. Um, maybe he needed a little more? I don't know. Hey, lab-grown meat has cleared uh, the way for, been cleared the way for human consumption by U.S. regulators. So, yum? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to check. I'll have to test that, I guess, in the studio and just see how that goes. But Poland's president has said missile that uh, killed two in a village in Poland uh, likely did not come from Russia, but rather from Ukrainian air defense forces. And I'm glad that we are not going headlong into World War III on that deal. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Uh, yeah, me too. I, uh, I'm, not ready. I'm not ready for that. On the lab-grown meat or the Poland story? On the Poland story. Oh, World okay. War III. Uh, you the, are the ready for lab-grown meat. I got it. Okay. Oh, lab-grown meat? We've yeah. had that for a long time. Well, Did you know, I don't know. that you could buy mm-hmm. meat okay. that is grafted from cells of celebrities? That was a thing for a while. Really? There was a company. Mm. Which I don't celebrity know. would you buy? I I'm would not curious. eat any celebrity. None? Type. Not no. even one? No. no. Charlton Heston me? gives a whole different meaning to Eat the Rich. Would you do it, Charlton <laughs> Heston? <the> <laughs> or like, uh, if you had to choose, if you had, let's just pretend you had to choose. Which would you choose? I don't know. Who's the most healthy? Um... That's a good question. I don't even can't even think of a single name. <laughs> Adrian, if you had to choose which, which celebrity meat product you'd purchase, what would it be? I wouldn't. What <laughs> if you did? But I wouldn't. If you were forced to, but I would rather die. What if a Catholic monarch required you to? Do I wouldn't. Do it. Charlemagne himself it would was be telling sin. you you had to do it. It would be a sin to eat someone. <laughs> Cannibalism is a sin. I and can, oh, I, I would argue one. that yeah. uh, eating a lab-grown version of a person would also be cannibalism. <laughs> would also be it bad. could be argued that our Lord was a celebrity. Oh, well. So I would have our blessed Lord. Well, every single I don't think our Lord of would course, want, him to, want us to eat. Not in a state of mortal sin. Like that. 
Of course, yes. Uh, In the context of the mass. A case may be made that that this is uh, really a perversion of uh, of truth, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, truly present in the Holy Eucharist. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. But nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, speaking of meat, I've got uh, three deer in the freezer now. Mm. The steaks are looking pretty good here in the uh, office. Adrian, yeah, I'm curious. Mm-hmm, huh? mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't seen any deer. Have you? Have you I, I, he just told us there's some in the freezer in the oh, office, right? Uh, That's what he meant. In in the in which yeah. office? Mine? The, off, the office right here. Um, like right right here. Yeah, we're huh. gonna have it right after the show, right? You haven't gotten mm-hmm. the invite yet. I, I thought I the thought invite I, to the deer barbecue. It's in the, oh. it's in the mail. It's oh. coming. It's well, coming. Well, the good news is, Joe. Yeah. The good news is that at least. Mm-hmm. If I'm not getting my deer, mm-hmm. at least I'm not going to war. Praise yeah. God. <laughs> I was nervous. I thought they were going to use that as an opportunity to escalate Despite things. Despite so glad uh, that they Zelensky's attempt to get us into World War Three. Yeah. Wisdom. We are Ooh, not in boy. World War III. I was, uh, that was, uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad that that worked out uh, the way it did with Poland admitting that it didn't have anything to do with Russia, actually. Yeah. Ukraine was like, no, 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 it was, it was Ukraine. Well, it, so, I mean, it was Russia. It was Russia. Well, the, the president did say, listen, it came from Ukrainian air defense forces. However, after they got caught, we still blame Russia for it all anyway, mm-hmm. because they invaded. That's <laughs> that was basically what he said. Nonetheless, we have a lot to get into today. And uh, I really want to talk about uh, defending traditional marriage coming up at 15 past the hour. So stick around for that. Father David Hust will be on at 35. Let's pray. Let's begin in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known. That anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, November 17th, and here are your headlines this morning. LifeSite News reports Republicans joined Democrats to advance same-sex so-called marriage bill in historic defeat for conservatives. In perhaps the greatest defeat conservatives have ever suffered at the hands of Republicans, the Senate today advanced Democrats' bill to enshrine same-sex so-called marriage into federal law in a vote of 62 to 37. The legislation is now on a glide path to final passage, which would require just 51 votes and is likely to happen after the Senate's Thanksgiving recess. The Daily Wire reports amber waves of pain. Thanksgiving dinners will be 20% more expensive this year. Costs for holiday staples such as turkey, sweet potatoes, and stuffing have surged since uh, the same time last year when American when the American Farm Bureau Association reported that the cost of the meal had increased 14% since 2020. A family serving 10 people during the upcoming holiday can expect to spend an average of $64.05. Last year, households spent $53.31 to feed the same amount of people. Americans in the western portion of the country can expect to pay $71.37, while those in southern states can expect to spend a more modest $58.42. The Epic Times reports Missouri doctor faces $500 billion worth in FTC fines for promoting vitamin D3 during the pandemic. A St. Louis Louis, uh, chiropractor could face more than $500 billion worth of uh, civil penalties through a federal lawsuit that alleges that he profited from selling vitamin D and zinc products in violation of the COVID-19 Consumer Protection Act. 
The government's complaint alleges that Nepute, uh, through social media and internet advertising, promoted and sold products as drugs capable of treating or preventing COVID-19. And Breitbart reports Xi Jinping lectures Justin Trudeau on camera for leaking conversation, saying, quote, Everything we said has been leaked to the papers. That's not appropriate. That's not the way the conversation was conducted, Xi Jinping told Trudeau in a brief and uncomfortable exchange captured by a Canadian cameraman from the G20 media pool. He said, quote, If you are sincere, we should communicate with one another in a respectful manner. Otherwise, it will be hard to say what the result will be like, Xi said menacingly. Xi was haranguing Trudeau over a brief, unscheduled conversation they had at a reception on Tuesday. Relations between China and Canada are strained, so Xi had no formal meeting with Trudeau on his agenda for the G20 summit. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Queen Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. St. Elizabeth of Hungary was born in Hungary on July 7, 1207 to the Hungarian King Andrew II and Gertrude of Morania. Elizabeth's mother Gertrude was murdered in 1213 when Elizabeth was just six years old. According to history, the murder was carried out by Hungarian noblemen due to the conflict between the Germans and the Hungarian nobles. Happiness was returned to her young life in 1221 when she was formally married to Ludwig, whom she deeply loved. Together, the couple had three beautiful children, two of whom became members of nobility, and the third entering the religious life, becoming the abbess of a German convent. Elizabeth continued to live a life full of prayer and service to the poor. Ludwig, who was now one of the rulers of Thuringia, supported all of Elizabeth's religious endeavors, even though she was part of the royal court. She began to lead an austerely simple life, practiced penance, and devoted herself to works of charity. She used her royal position to advance her mission for charity. In 1223, Franciscan friars arrived in Thuringia and taught 16-year-old Elizabeth all about Francis of Assisi's ideals. She then forth decided to live her life mirroring this. She wore simple clothing and set aside time every day to take bread to hundreds of poor people in her land. Ludwig and Elizabeth were politically powerful and lived with a remarkable generosity toward the poor. Elizabeth's life was full of love and faith, and after six years of marriage, her husband died in the Crusades, and Elizabeth was grief-strucken. It is said upon hearing the news, she said, He is dead, he is dead. It is to me as if the whole world died today. Her husband's family looked upon her as squandering the royal purse and mistreated her, finally throwing her out of the palace. The return of her husband's allies from the Crusades resulted in her being reinstated since her son was legal heir to the throne. Elizabeth vowed to never remarry and to live a life similar to a nun, despite pressure from relatives. In 1228, Elizabeth joined the Third Order of St. Francis, and she, having received her dowry, founded a hospital in honor of St. Francis, where she personally attended to the ill. She ministered to the sick and provided support to the poor. Elizabeth's life was consumed deeply by her devotion to God and her charitable labor. She passed away at the age of 24 on November 17, 1231, in Marburg, Hesse. One of her own descendants scattered her remains at the time of the Reformation. She was canonized by Pope Gregory IX in May of 27, 1235, 
St. Elizabeth of Hungary, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. As Jesus drew near Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If this day you only knew what... But now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days are coming upon you when your enemies will raise a palisade against you. They will encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will smash you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another within you because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you have never done so, you ought to Google today, or however you, you whatever search engine you choose, uh, you ought to look for Josephus's uh, description of the fall of Jerusalem in his works, The Jewish Wars. You ought to read that because it will fascinate you and blow your mind. The angels at war in the clouds above them as signs of the appending doom that was to come upon them. The cannibalism that ensued inside the city walls and uh, the chaos. And then the sheer bloodshed that a million people were slaughtered at the hands of the Roman soldiers. And the, the city was actually devastated from its foundations turned up and over And it uh, would never be the same again. You should read that. You should look at that because this prophecy was pointing to that day. St. Gregory the Great said the Senate planned to hold a vote on the measure in September. But, oh, hold on. I (laughs) copied the wrong commentary from uh, St. Gregory. Let's go to Eusebius and said that's hilarious. He, He here declares that his coming was to bring peace to the whole world. For unto this he came that he should preach both to them that were near and those that were afar off. But as they did not wish to receive the peace that was announced to them, it was hid from them. And therefore the siege was to shortly to come upon them. Uh, was most uh, expressly foretold. Origen says, I do not deny that the former Jerusalem was destroyed because of the wickedness of its inhabitants, but I ask whether the weeping might not perhaps concern this your spiritual Jerusalem. For if a man has sinned against receiving, or rather after receiving the mysteries of truth, he will be wept over. Did you catch that? If first you are baptized to become Catholic and receive the truth, and then you sin, are you not in the same position as these very Jews that our Lord is speaking to in today's gospel, and he is weeping because he knows the coming destruction that awaits you? It's a warning. Gregory has much more to say on the matter. Maybe in the after show, I'll share that with you. But let us pray. Let us fast. Let us do penance. But more important, let's go to confession. Let's get right with the Lord. And let's stay right with them. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Atheists claim they don't need God to be a good person, implying God's not relevant to morality. But is this true? Well, atheists can be good in the sense of knowing behaviors that respect the goods of human nature and living accordingly. St. Paul acknowledges this natural moral law in Romans chapter 2. But this doesn't mean God is irrelevant when it comes to morality. And here's the reason. Besides God's grace being necessary to live the moral law perfectly and merit heaven, God is necessary for the law to be morally binding. How can the moral law be binding if there's no moral law giver behind it that surpasses human authority? The answer is, it can't. 
So an atheist can follow the natural moral law, but only the theist is consistent in saying that such a law is morally obligatory. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. She's in a relationship, George. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father David Hust is going to be our guest. Uh, you may or may not have heard of Father David Hust a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week or two, maybe, I don't remember, not that long ago, really. One of his homilies went viral online. Catholic Vote was resharing it through their email list as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about reverence in the Mass. Uh, the, the bishops have called for a Eucharistic revival. I mean, not surprised when the majority of Catholics simply don't believe in the the doctrine of Holy Mother Church, that Jesus is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. They just don't believe this, and uh, too few Catholics go to Mass anyway, so it makes sense to call for a Eucharistic revival. But can you have one without reverence in the Mass? We're going to have that conversation with Father David Hust. Please join us if you can, coming up at 35 past the hour. Lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And uh, Rudy, let me, let me ask you a pop quiz here. Okay. What do you think would be the top GOP priority after the midterms? Top, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least in the Senate. At least in the Senate. <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think that might be? like? If we were in a serious country, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it would have been to stop this horrible yeah. so-called respect for marriage. You act. think so. You, you would, would think, think you would think so, some would say that so some would say that so-called conservatives might be conserving. Um, <laughs> I don't think they know what that word means. I think mm-hmm. that they are conserving. They're conserving the less position. They're conserving uh, their. That's uh, why G.K. Chesterton said uh, mm-hmm. progressivists are really good at ruining things, <laughs> and conservatives are really good at making sure they never get fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Preach it, brother. I, this is one of the rare times I have to say G.K. Chesterton said it well. Uh, mm-hmm. Rare times. I peace be upon him. Peace, peace, peace <laughs> be upon him. Uh, lots of uh, headlines here. How about this one coming out of the Federalist? It says GOP senators' top priority after failed midterms is helping Democrats trample the meaning of marriage. That's a good headline. I think that uh, speaks well. Here's one out of LifeSide News. Republicans joined Democrats to advance same-sex marriage uh, in historic defeat for conservatives. Yeah, I think that also sums it up. But I think the one that gets me the most, I think the one that really makes me angry and frustrated is this one from Catholic Vote. It says 18 Catholics in the Senate voted to redefine marriage. Mm. Let that sink in for a second. 18 Catholics voted in the Senate to redefine marriage. How is this? Do you think we need a Eucharistic revival? Yeah. Yes, I think we do. Let's, uh, we need to get back to uh, some basic understanding of truth itself. Uh, here's a little bit of this article out of CatholicVote.org. It says, The Senate on Wednesday advanced the Respect for Marriage Act 
in a 62 to 37 vote with 12 Republicans joining all Democrats in ending a filibuster and moving the bill forward. Final passage of the bill is expected next week. Catholic Votes, a Catholic accountability project team, noted the number of Catholic politicians who supported the bill, including three Catholic Republicans and 15 Democrats who claim to be Catholic. Those names are below. So here are your 18 Catholics who voted to redefine marriage in the Senate. Senator Susan Collins uh, from Maine. Senator Dan Sullivan from Arkansas. Senator Lisa Murkowski, or rather Alaska. I said Arkansas, I meant Alaska, forgive me. And then Murkowski also from Alaska. Senator Maria Cantwell from Washington. Uh, Senator Bob Casey from Pennsylvania. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto from Nevada. Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois. Senator Kristen Gillibrand from New York. Senator Tim Kaine from Virginia. Senator Mark Kelly from Arizona. Senator Patrick Leahy from Vermont. Senator Ben Ray Luan from New Mexico. Senator Joe Manchin, West Virginia. Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts. Senator Bob Menendez from New Jersey. Senator Pat Murray from Washington. Senator Alex Paria from California. Senator Jack Reed from Rhode Island. Your Catholics who voted to redefine marriage. Despite a bipartisan deal to include some religious freedom language in the bill, veteran advocates of religious freedom decried the vote, saying, quote, do not be fooled by today's vote, uh, unclose quote, wrote Ryan Anderson of the Ethics and Public Policy Center. This bill is not a compromise, not even a bad compromise. It enshrines a false definition of marriage in our law and then tells people they can have their day in court if and when they get sued. That's bad public policy. Tom McCluskey, Catholic Votes Director of Government Affairs, agreed. Those who supported the, uh, the downward definition of the Institute of Marriage insisted the issue was one of, quote, fairness for all, close quote, McCluskey said. Yet governments continue to use marriage redefinition laws to threaten the conscience and religious freedoms of individuals as well as entities such as foster care and social service providers who seek to serve their communities without being punished for their long-standing and well-founded beliefs. This legislation would give further fuel to that division and prosecution. The House passed a same-sex marriage bill without a religious freedom component in July, with support from nearly 50 House Republicans. When the final Senate version passes, the bill will head back to the House for approval. And how many of those were also Catholic? I think we reported on that story back in July, if I remember correctly. A Catholic vote has pressed Republicans to consider the dangers to, Republic to religious freedoms inherent in the bill, as Catholics, Catholic Votes' Erica Ahern wrote back in July, quote, The key here is that the term Senate agents is not confined to clerks like Kim Davis or, so, or state social work agencies like Child Protective Services. State agents has been interpreted by the Supreme Court uh, to participate in a joint activity with a state, perform a function traditionally carried out by the government, or even merely have operations that are entwined with government policies. Charities, schools, and other groups would be liable under RFMA if they refuse to recognize same-sex underage polygamies, polygamous, uh, polyandrous, and polyamorous marriage, marriage licenses. 
Foster care and adoption charities, faith-based shelters and emergency housing organizations and religious organizations that cooperate with the state to serve the poor would all be on the chopping block, close quote. In light of the Democrats' increased uh, focus on LGBTQ legislation and growing uh, also in the Republican Party as well, Catholic Vote produced a video showing a trajectory of increased aggressiveness and hostility against religious Americans that followed after the 2015 Supreme Court ruling that redefined marriage. In the video, viewers first see gay marriage advocates promising that such a ruling would not affect anyone negatively. That rhetoric quickly morphs into a more and more recent footage of LGBTQ activists and political figures promising to completely smash heteronormativity and prosecute schools that resist their agenda. It just gets worse and worse and worse. So uh, we, aren't, we aren't defending marriage anymore. And yes, uh, 12, they only needed 10, by the way. They only needed 10 Republicans in the Senate, but they got 12. So they got more than what they ever needed in order to get this passed. The legislation, according to this LifeSite News article, this legislation is now on a glide path to final passage, which would require just 51 votes and is likely to happen after the Senate's Thanksgiving recess. So this is essentially just going to take place. So all of this kicked off after the Dobbs decision, which reversed course on Roe v. Wade. And uh, Justice uh, Clarence Thomas pointed out that other rulings that were they they used the same sort of method to come to those conclusions needed to be reevaluated to include Obergefell. And when he said that, boy, did the did the uh, those that want to redefine marriage. And I was tempted to say those on the left, but we can't say that actually anymore because they aren't just on the left. Clearly, they are on the right as well. And as a Catholic, uh, I want to be Catholic, and I see the whole world through a Catholic lens. So it's not just in support of Republicans or Democrats. No, 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 it's Catholic. And the Catholic Church teaches, because she has power to do so, given to her by, by Christ, our Savior, Jesus Christ himself, God and man has said that no one can separate what God has brought together. That a man shall leave his father and mother and hand cleave to his wife. And because that, we can't stand for this. We can't support this. And if you haven't made your voice uh, clear on this issue, well, I think the time has come. It's uh, Fisher Cut Bait time. It's time to get off the fence because I think we have seen this slippery slope and we are realizing this isn't good. Society can't actually improve if we aren't defending traditional marriage. You can't really have a pro-life world, a pro-life society, if you aren't also defending marriage between a man and a woman. It needs to happen. Uh, According to the White House, has enthusiastically endorsed the Respect for Marriage Act. And the bill is set to be uh, Joe Biden's first major legislative victory on LGBT issues. Quote, the Respect for Marriage Act protects all couples under law. I urge Congress to send the bill to my desk so I can make it law. Close quote, Biden said on Wednesday. Like Biden, many of the Senate Republicans who voted to advance the bill previously upheld traditional marriage, including Senator Portman, who changed his stance in 2013 after his son revealed himself to be homosexual. I cannot tell you how many times I have encountered this in my 20 some odd years as being a Catholic now. 
When we encounter people in our family, loved ones, whether they're children, spouses, relatives, friends, close friends, or whatever, that all of a sudden come out of the closet, we start to reevaluate. Because why? Because emotionally, we can't come to grips that those people could be doing something harmful or bad. And so we reevaluate. Instead of uh, looking at truth with reason and saying, okay, uh, what is the authority behind this? What is the logic behind this? What is the reason behind this? What is the church taught? Uh, what does scripture say? Uh, what, what do the early church fathers have to say on this? Instead of looking at it from that perspective, we look at it from an emotional perspective and we begin to reevaluate what we believe based on our emotions. Just imagine if every single time I passed by a Burger King and I went, Ooh, smell that. Oh, man, it smells so good. <laughs> I deserve, I deserve another one, you know, or maybe two, maybe two of those uh, big double Whopper cheeseburger thing. I deserve them. I mean, they smell so good. They must be good. I must have them. Imagine if I did that every time, just how bad my arteries would be, how quick I would, uh, you know, uh, devolve in a health perspective. We can't allow our emotions to run amok. Emotions play a role in our human existence. It's part of the human experience. I understand, but they must be checked by reason. And every single time I see somebody who says, well, my son came out of the closet. Therefore, therefore, I'm going to go ahead and support this. Listen, the best thing for our, our our children, the best thing for our spouses, the best thing for our friends, our family, our neighbors, for the stranger you don't even know, is to help them get to heaven so that they may spend eternity in the beatific vision in utter blissfulness. There is no greater happiness, no sense of satisfaction and satiation than to be with God united forever in heaven. That is the greatest thing ever. There will be no greater thing than that. And if we spend our life in this world just acquiescing to a, a fallen human nature and not helping people get where they got to go, we have not only failed them, we have failed ourselves, and we have failed our Lord. Woe unto us. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most people think that rules apply to others but not to themselves? They always consider themselves to be the exception. But what ends up happening is that everybody is an exception, and so the rules don't apply to anybody. The result is something worse than chaos. It's a loss of all the categories of respect and justice. G.K. Chesterton says that when the exception has become the rule, that is the worst of all possible tyrannies. When the Cardinal, formerly known as Ratzinger, gave his final homily before the papal conclave, he said, we are living under the tyranny of relativism. What is relativism? It's when there are no rules, only exceptions. The man about to become Pope was echoing Chesterton exactly. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. The Epic Times reports, Ray refuses to answer whether FBI had sources dressed as Trump supporters on January 6th. When asked, did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January 6th prior to the doors being opened? He said, again, I have to be very careful about what I can say. And then he said, uh, the person asking, whose name is Higgins, said, it should be a no. Can you not tell the American people, no, we did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump sources positioned inside the Capitol on January 6th, Higgins said. And he replied, you should not read anything into my decision not to share information about confidential human sources, Ray said. Catholic Votes uh, Loop uh, email reports pro-abortion Schumer cites low birth rate. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer from New York, who supports abortion on demand, cited America's declining birth rate in a speech pitching amnesty for non-citizens living in the U.S. illegally. He says, quote, We have a population that is not reproducing on its own with the same level that it used to, Schumer said. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers, and all of them, unquote. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. <clears throat> Recently, the uh, USCCB, the bishops in our country, have asked us to uh, participate in a Eucharistic revival. And as we said earlier, I think uh, one is definitely needed. And the thought comes to mind that how can you have a Eucharistic revival if, in fact, we don't have first reverence at Holy Mass? And we've thought it would be great to have Father David Huss, Procro Vicar at St. Anthony of Padua in the Woodlands, Texas, who recently had a homily go viral online, praise be to God. And he's here joining us now via Zoom chat. Good morning to you, Father Huss. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. So glad to be with y'all. Yeah, it's good to have you on. Thanks for, for getting up and uh, and being with us today. Let's talk about a Eucharistic revival real quick. Uh, you know, it seems uh, a majority of Catholics simply don't believe in what Holy Mother Church teaches about the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And, and even a smaller percentage of Catholics actually go to Mass on a weekly basis. I mean, there really does need to be a Eucharistic revival in our country. What say you, Father Hust? Um, absolutely. I mean, this is what the church has been calling for actually for a very long time. This gets back us back to like Pius X. Like there's, we have lost a sense of not, we've lost our connection with our first love. This is Christ. And that Christ also comes to us in like a sacramental economy. Um, and yeah, the Eucharist most especially body, blood, soul, and divinity, he's there. And, um, and we need to rediscover even that on an intellectual level, mm -hmm. but the church even again, for the last hundred years has been saying something that like what we do, the way in which we celebrate, like also informs us. Uh, this is the Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivendi. The way we pray affects what we believe, which affects like how we live and those cycle on each other. Yeah. And yeah, there most definitely needs to be a rekindling of our love of Christ and again, him to be found in the sacraments and most especially the Eucharist. And I think there's a, an increasing number of lay faithful who I think their eyes are opening. I know I'm just speaking for myself here. I know my eyes have opened quite a bit over the past uh, in decade, even that uh, there's been just a wide range of abuse in the liturgy. And I don't see how we're going to convince uh, lukewarm on the fence sitting Catholics about these doctrines or have more greater love for Christ. If our liturgies are watered down or even worse, heretical, what say you, Father David Hust? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we none of us have, if you look at the general destruction of the Rome Missile, none of us have experienced the Novus Ordo as it is to be celebrated. Um, it's just, it's the sad reality. Um, and that is a pretty, uh, pretty uh, saddening thing because Again, the way in which we celebrate does affect the way that we believe or what we believe. And so to not being celebrating things well and, like you said, even worse, heretically, um, causes problems. It will impact our imagination. It will impact what we believe. So, yeah, we need to rediscover this. Some of this is going to have to be done in, on a like liturgical catechesis level. Um, again, what Pius X even called for um, so that people can know content. And then be able to meditate upon that content, but it can't just be there. Um, we have to, and you got this from JP2, you got this from Benedict, and you even get it from Francis in some relatively recent documents in that like rubrics do need to be followed. Um, and, and if anything, it should be because Mother Church is truly pastoral and following mm. her rubrics will actually help her children. Um, and so now you, how you implement that, like in terms of timing, is something else to be discussed, but there is something to be said there in regards to doing things well, celebrating well, what's called the art of celebrating Ars Celebrandi is very important. Um, and because how, how we live, how we celebrate and worship God shows also what we believe. Hmm. Father Huss, you know, for some of our listeners, it may be the first time that they're ever hearing that they've never actually been to a Novus Ordo celebrated the way that the general instruction says it should be celebrated. Could you explain mm -hmm. a little bit more about what it looks like and and uh, why, for example, we haven't seen that? Why is a whole nother question. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, there, in regards to like liturgy wars and stuff like that, they're, they're really at the heart Part of them um, is like an ecclesiolo ecclesiological war, like mm -hmm. what we actually believe about the church, what we believe in regards to how Christ acts within her, um, and how he, yeah, again, manifests himself, and, and our response to that. Um, uh, in regards to the, the initial question of that we haven't seen it, if I just encourage people, like for your own good, though I will warn you against like the anger that could potentially rise up, and with that, pray most especially for mm -hmm. your priests and for their holiness, um, because that's mm -hmm. what's going to, to help um, change the situation we're in, is for them to draw deeply into the sacred heart of Christ. Um, is Yeah, the reality is you look at the general instruction of the missile, there are many rubrics that aren't necessarily followed. I know one we're about to start implementing. It says, like, when you prepare for Mass, like, here's the things to be prepared. Guess what's on there? Communion patents. Hmm. Um, those... Those little like golden like plates that would yeah. go like under when somebody's distributing like when the priest is distributing the Eucharist so that no particle of the Eucharist is lost Amen. because right we believe every bit like anything that looks yeah. like a speck of every a crumb fragment. of bread is no longer bread but it's Jesus Christ body blood soul and divinity the church says that's there and to yeah. be prepared at the mass why so that we actually care for Christ and then in terms of how we um, it that impacts us that helps us understand like understand that on a, in a very like um, subjective sort of way. Like why why are we why are we going doing all these sorts of things? Oh oh, oh we must be because we believe this is truly Jesus and we want to care for him and love him in, in every way, shape, or form. In fact, John Paul II said something extent of like you can never be excessive in your care for the Eucharist. Amen. That would be just one small way. There are things in regards to like music, which is always the biggest battleground, but they're very <laughs> clear things that came from a 1967 document after the Second Vatican Council in terms of implementation of how music is supposed to go at mass. Um, and we have basically flipped it entirely on its head. The for him sandwich, like the entrance song, the offertory communion and dismissal, 
Those are the actual last things that are ever allowed to be sung within the Mass, according to the church documents. You must sing everything else before you get there, including like the creed. But none of us have, <laughs> most right. people have never gone to a Mass where the creed is sung. Um, but yet the church says, no, that's a really important part. Like the singing of what we believe um, to our God, who we're so thankful has revealed it. You know, what's really interesting to me, Father, is you know, no matter what anybody thinks about the reform or the reform, whether you are against it, whether you're for it, uh, what is undeniable is that Benedict XVI spoke of it extensively. And when he spoke about the reform of the form, he talked about the mutual enrichment of the Novus Ordo Mass with the traditional Latin Mass. And when he says so, he's talking about being informed with a continuity between the Mass of the ages, the Mass that came down for thousands of years to today with the Novus Ordo Mass. And that implies that your average priest should be at least familiar with the goings-on, with what the traditional Mass is and that sort of thing. Uh, what do you think about that idea, Father Hust? Uh, 100%. In fact, we got when we got the new translation of the general structure of the Roman Missal. Uh, I believe it's number 42. I'm going to pull it up here real quick, which basically says exactly that, that there must be uh, attention must therefore be paid that what is determined by the general structure of the Roman Missal and by the tradition practice of the Roman right and to what serves the common spiritual good of the people rather than private inclination and arbitrary like we're supposed to be excuse me I should have backed up one sentence but basically priests are supposed to know that and the church is saying like the only way you're going to celebrate this well is if you know where we came from again without going into the, all the liturgical wars and what happened here and how we got this and it, you know but still if you're going to be able to celebrate this well mm-hmm. yeah the the, Roman, the the current ordinary form if you want to call it that like you must know where we came from, the signs and the symbols. That's part of what like Guardini and all these are saying uh, in Benedict XVI, pulling from that with his book, also named Spirited Liturgy, is that modern man has lost the notion of symbols. Like she, she doesn't get them, signs and symbols. And so we must rediscover that language. Um, uh, and But for even the priests to be able to teach that to others, they must know it. They must live it. They must, that must be the, 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 the thing in which they live, move and have their being within Christ found within all those signs and symbols and within the sacraments so that then she, or then Christ, uh, rather Christ living in the priest, he may hand on the, those truths uh, to his people and mm-hmm. shepherd them rightly. So yeah, the church thinks no, no, the traditional practices. We are we are down to just a, a little bit before we have to go to a network break. We're talking with Father David Hust. He's parochial vicar at St. Anthony of Padua in the Woodlands. Uh, I used to be a parishioner there years and years ago now. Uh, I was with the first church we were parishioners at when we moved to the Houston area. A massive place for sure. And uh, it seems to me that uh, you've been doing quite a bit of work along with the pastor to uh, to implement some of these ideas in the liturgy and the people. On the other side of the break, I'd like to get your take on how does that go? How is that going? How... What challenges have you had? What, what's been great success? What still needs to be worked on? Uh, because suburban parishes of that magnitude, I imagine they're not as always cut and dry and as easy as everybody would like them to be to just get these things done. All of that and more with Father David Huss coming up after the break. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. 
It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know. And now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. And don't forget, Hector Molina is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour to get you ready for this Sunday by diving into the gospel. Join us if you can. But uh, Father David Hust is our guest. He's on by Zoom with us, parochial vicar at St. Anthony of Padua in the Woodlands. We're talking about reverence in the Mass and the Eucharistic Revival. And uh, Father, I love what you said, uh, quoting, you know, uh, we pray as we believe, and how can we believe if we don't have holy reverence for the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist? And I got. Can I just share something with you, Father? I have um, at uh, when I was at St. Anthony's, but also at other places, I've experienced uh, abuses in the Mass that caused me to have emotional distress, anxiety, actual, and I'm not even exaggerating here, actual anxiety. That uh, as a result, I really can't go to parishes too often that are in that category because all I do is sit there and get engulfed into this anxiety and worry about will their big sleeves knock over a chalice or uh, drop our Lord on the floor and will they pay attention to it? And, um, and I'm sure there are other people like me that are out there that are struggling with that. We don't mean to be critical in any way, but it just it's a thing. Uh, how, how have you... As a new priest and as someone with such uh, zeal and uh, such faithfulness, how have you had uh, an opportunity to impact St. Anthony of Padua in particular, but churches like that in general? Um, I, I, first off, just I hear the—I um, have a very similar experience as a priest. Like, there's, there's things that you, you go in, especially when you do know more, and you're, and you're like, oh, it's—if it's, it, if anything, it leads me to, like, sadness. So there can be, I think, a righteous anger when— when we're not encountering what we should, what actually the people are do. You actually got Pope Francis in a liturgy document recently who said, like, follow all the rubrics, otherwise you're basically robbing the people of God. Um, and that's a, that's a big statement from him. Um, okay, so how do we do that? If we don't want to rob the people, we don't want to technically liturgically abuse the people either, because there's even documents about that, like what things need to change. Um, it's What we do is we slowly but surely and like speak to people about beauty. Um, mm. This is something of the Second Vatican Council, not just to go in there and be like, you did this wrong, you're doing this wrong, this this wrong, like doing like an audit and just show them like, here's all the things you're doing wrong. Um, though the audit is needed on the back end. Um, 
but then to figure out like how systematically how to care for people, expose them to the, the realities of what the church teaches, and, and why, again, this is a beautiful thing. This is what the Second Vatican Council, and I would say, truly was calling for in regards to taking the same doctrine, the same like things that we have, and then packaging them in the particular way that the modern man can receive them. So in the same way that Aquinas says, like, you communicate truths in the mode of receiver, that's what has to be done slowly but surely in some of these, especially the mega parishes, mm-hmm. um, to help them like the, the 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 boat turn little things we've been doing like we didn't have candles on the altar wow those are called for by the general instruction yeah. um so we got them and it says on sunday you should have four or six so it's like yeah let's do that let's let's talk about christ as a light let's talk about what's happening like at the uh on the altar what what's what the altar is all, all these various things and i've seen you know you were talking about like can there be opposition oh yeah Oh yeah. Um, usually it is a very emotional thing as well because the way somebody has worshiped for a long time and had like emotional encounters, if you want to put it that way with Christ, like if you tell them what they've been, like there was an error in that, mm-hmm. they'll go like they, what I see is a visceral response. Like I've been worshiping wrong or you're telling me I'm wrong. Or it's, it's actually a very similar and modern thing to why we get, you know, when you tell somebody the truth about what the church teaches about whatever out there, maybe some sinful thing, they, it's a very visceral response, but give it some time and slow, like gentle as well as education. And people have been responding very well. I mean, some people who, who said, I had a problem with people come up to me and be like, I had a problem in the beginning with like the chanting because I'm like, that's what we're taught in seminary. Um, and also it's in the general instruction or missile. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, I, I like it. I miss it when you guys don't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, Father, I mean, it's really interesting because, certainly. you know, a lot of there's a lot of young priests that are newly ordained, a lot of seminarians that I know who have had learned these things, have been exposed to these things there and they're reacting um, w- one way with sadness because they're realizing that there's so much in the church tradition that they were not exposed to. They were not given and they feel robbed from it. Um, but at the same time, now that they have it and they realize what it is. They want to share it with everyone. They want to spread it far and wide. But there has to be, you know, we want to give God everything. We want to give God the utmost and best reverence we can possibly give him and remove all instances of abuse. But at the same time, not everybody is ready for it all at once. So what do you recommend to young priests, to new seminarians, to people that are even older priests who are just now realizing the situation or even parishioners? What's the strategy to slowly implement this at the local level? I mean, I don't think there's one necessary strategy. The reality is that you do have to get into a parish. You do have to see where there's lacking. You do have to do, again, on the internal level, like this audit of, okay, where are we? And getting to know the people, too, of, like, what's going on? What's their background? What have they been taught? What have they not been taught? And then take that to the Adoration Chapel. And go pray with that. And then, like, you do your strategic planning with Jesus first. <laughs> because if you're just doing it on your own, like, that's that's not enough. I mean, we can, again, trust in Mother Church and what she said is good. Um, uh, that is what's going to be truly pastoral. Um, but how we, again, implement is something we're going to have to talk about. And that's where a pastor should get around his... Um, his pastoral council, and if he, because he should, he should have the best formation, he can then start forming them and as well be seeing them react and they need to be people. Jesus had his three, his 12, and his 72. Okay, pastors expect to do the same. Like form smaller groups that are as well going to help and as you catechize them, you form them, like that will help them go out and teach other people when somebody goes like, I don't like what Father whatever the heck's doing. Um, 
they can be able to speak the truth and show like church documents or whether church teaching or better explanation where father can't necessarily do it. Um, I'm trying to get like everybody right now to read Christopher Karsten's Principles of the Sacred Liturgy. Great book. Um, uh, for everybody to read uh, because it just helps them understand like the liturgical movement stuff and in particular things about uh, like the Novus Ordo um, and how it is to be celebrated, but especially again, a, a theology of liturgy, mm-hmm. not just like looking at rubrics, but again, what is, what are we doing? Who are we encountering? And then that, that of course, when you really get that more, now you, the, the, the rubrics and things like that flow so much more easily. This isn't just a mandate from on high from the church, um, even though that would be good to follow. But again, when you encounter who, when you know more who you're encountering and what you're doing, it, the, the rubrics seem to follow. Um, but yeah, just keep educating slowly but surely. Uh, little things, but again, explain it in terms of beauty. And I see people like come alive, like, oh, I've never heard this before. This is amazing. I was never taught that. And they fall in love and they, and they want to do it more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, preach beauty and let's yeah, talk about, you talk about it. Like, let's, let's talk about uh, uh, Catholic community and Catholic culture. You know, as my family has grown traditional, we obviously uh, uh, attend the TLM at uh, Regina Chaley, FSSP parish in our area. Um, but uh, one of the things that uh, surprised us or has we've enjoyed as a family as Catholic culture, learning about the traditional Catholic culture, and we're seeing a resurgence of this in uh, suburban parishes even. So a resurgence of Catholic culture, I think, is also one of those items that you can't really have a Eucharistic revival in our country without reverence. You certainly can't have a Eucharistic revival without traditional, more traditional Catholic culture. Can you tell me about how you uh, have you implemented some of that in, in your suburban parish, which I think is uh, fascinating and fantastic? Sure. So um, just a little bit back to like reverence and liturgy is that like one of the reasons why we have some of the liturgy wars is that we're trying to fit everything into liturgy. But the reality is, is like relationships that we're supposed to have with God, like are on all different levels. And so, um, and including each other. And so like trying to fit like the devotional life or the community all into like just one hour of Holy Mass, like that doesn't work. We need to spread out like again, the and have the full breadth of relationship with Christ and the mystical body, like the church. So, um, so that's what we're looking at is like, how do we, again, follow rubrics and stuff like that in the mass. And then we need to bolster people's like devotional life. Um, we need to teach them how to pray. And so too, we just need to be like together. And so we're trying to do more events. We had like an all saints festival, um, which you're seeing a lot more parishes and stuff like that do again, celebrating the reality that like God is calling us all the sanctity and what is sanctity, deep, intimate relationship with him, um, both now and hope, you know, for eternity. Um, and so those sorts of things doing more, um, the devotional practices will have like this Sunday, like a, 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 a procession with our Lord as wow. king, our King. Um, and then other, just other elements where we're inviting people more and more to come around and to be together so like for instance after daily mass i say like yeah stay here pray like you were a living tabernacle because you just received jesus and then go over to like our padawan center and like there's a coffee machines out and y'all like sit around and have coffee like mm-hmm. have community and so we're trying to do as well as we're looking at like holistic formation not just liturgical formation but holistic human formation where do we need to be tweaking things and yes one is community post-covid and um, uh, just, and again, a modern busy world, like we need to make the time for people to, again, form true culture uh, and 
just be together as well, again, an outside liturgy. So we're also looking at Sunday as a holy day and mm-hmm. also all solemnities. We're looking at the, 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 the solemnities of the year as particular days, because this is also called for by popes, as a day of catechesis and a day of community, as well as, of course, worship of God. And so we're, we're trying to strategically plan how we make solemnities feel like solemnities. And it gathers the people of God, not only in the worship, in the sacred liturgy, but as well um, together to to celebrate um, what God is doing in, in, in the world, what he wants to do, and as well how he's moving in our lives. Yeah, it's an amazing thing to see. Catholics embrace their who they are and where they've where they've come from and uh, and to celebrate that in their lives as well. So uh, reverence in the mass and of course Catholic community, Catholic culture, these are very powerful tools which we can see a Eucharistic revival. We're down to just about a minute with Father David Huss. So uh, what 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 would you what would you like to see as the biggest change if you could have anything you want in our churches, our parishes, in our community? What would be the biggest thing that you would change, Father Huss? Oh, very, very difficult question. Um, um, I honestly, because it will, well, in our parishes, I, I would arguably say if we can help people learn to pray, the two, I mean, twofold, if we can help people learn to pray, because most people don't know how to pray. Like I encounter this so often. Most people mm-hmm. aren't praying and they have no idea how to pray. Like if pastors would have a, 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 a a zeal for teaching people how to pray mm-hmm. that will help tremendously because then Amen. what you end up teaching the liturgical catechesis which would be my second thing like we got to do it again the church has been calling for it for 100 years we got to study ourselves and then teach the people and again teach about the beauty of what we have uh, okay that they'll get it we are out of time father Haas, but we would love to get your priestly blessing would you would you provide us your priestly blessing please and may almighty god bless you the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Father David Huss, Proco Vicar of St. Anthony Padua in the Woodlands, Texas. God bless you. God love you. We appreciate you, Father. Thank you so much for being on. Have a great day. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Join us in the second hour where Hector Molina helps us to dive into this Sunday's gospel. We'll see you then. God bless you and God love you. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hearn. Sometimes it can seem that our family life is humdrum, monotonous, and insignificant. But Christ began his public ministry at the wedding at Cana. When we read this account in the gospel, we're reminded that our marriage, our ordinary family life, is important to God. Our Lord and Our Lady love our families, and they are present with us. They desire to change what is ordinary into the extraordinary. The Lord can take our simple and everyday tasks and make them holy. Like the servants at the wedding at Cana, we need to notice when we run out of wine, when we run out of joy, when we run out of love. It is then that we turn to Our Lady and ask for her help. She can bring Christ into our lives, our ordinary water, and transform it into wine. And when we invite Christ into our lives to transform us, He creates the best wine of all. For more advice, ideas, and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. 
Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Leon Fontana from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. You're listening to KSHJ Houston AM 1430, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. If you missed our conversation with Father Hust, uh, I encourage you to check out our podcast feed, which you can find on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, or you can find it on our uh, the iTunes store, Google Play, Spotify as well. I really appreciate those who do subscribe to us via iTunes because it's a fantastic way to help us spread the news, spread the word about our show. By leaving us a review and subscribing there, it tells the algorithms over at uh, iTunes that this is a good show and they should show it to strangers. And that's exactly what they do. So when you leave us a five-star review, uh, and I think you are constitutionally obligated to leave a five-star review. Uh, there's a Geneva Convention, if I'm not mistaken, that also dictates five stars. Uh, but nonetheless, don't fact check that. Just go with it. Uh, you do have to leave that. And then when you do, more people find out about Catholic Drive Time. It means the world to us. But if you want the easy button, if you just want the like the super slick, easy thing to do, never have to think about it, set it and forget it, Ronco style, then just download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app on your iPhone or Android. And then you can listen to your local GRN radio station live, clear as crystal, 24-7. You can also get the podcast of Catholic Drive Time in the flyout and the uh, the three bars. What do you what do you kids call that? The three bars on the side? The three dots. The three, three dots. Three dots on the side. <laughs> like uh, whatever you kids call that thing today. I call it the flyout. Uh, no idea, to be honest. Uh-huh. I don't even know. Uh-huh. Do you know what we're talking about? The menu? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah the, like the when you go to the yeah. menu and you get you get podcasts in the menu there. So uh, at, at any rate, go to your Apple, your iOS, or your Android app store. Look for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Download that today. It's free and uh, works great. You Remember, can get programming information and much, much more. If you didn't, if you don't do what Joe said, mm-hmm. it's in fact a war crime. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you have to do it. He said something about Geneva Convention. Mm-hmm. It's over for you. Is you it? Do it. Yeah. Is it? So go and we'll go and do all those things. All right of those now. things. Right now. Yeah. If you're driving, you just got to pull over and do it right now. Yeah. Has to be done. Has to be done. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go, folks. I would love to actually, uh, I'd like to spend a lot more money on the app and upgrade that. There's several new features I would love to put into the app. So maybe, who knows, someday that might be possible. But uh, uh, what did you guys think of Father David Huss? It was great having him on. Oh, oh. Father Huss is amazing. The I zeal. Knew Father back I love that. When he was a seminarian, he was mm-hmm. at my parish uh, when I was going to... St. Helens in Pearland, Texas, and he was there as a seminarian. And let me just say, 
he had the coolest mustache ever. Um, <laughs> cooler than sh- mine? He, yeah, way cooler than yours. He was his mustache. That it was it was one of those mustaches that went out and then curled at the ends. Yeah, it was really cool. And he like ended up shaving it. He had the handlebar of, thing going on. Yeah, out of humility, he shaved it. And I was like, wow, that's really what? awesome. What, what? What do you mean? Did someone ask him to shave? No, it, out of humility, he shaved it because he was like, a, it's he uh, felt was carrying too much. Yeah, it felt too vain. It was oh, too caring too much about his facial hair. But uh, as for, yeah, Father Huss is an amazing, amazing priest. I can't speak highly enough of him. Mm-hmm. And he does uh, his sermons are amazing. He does good work. And I've heard uh, here's something that he probably he probably doesn't want me sharing, but I'm going to share it anyway. Okay. He once found um, the Eucharist um, in the pews at, his, at, a, at a church he was at. It's not at his church that he's at currently. It's a different church. That's rough. And he started, uh, he gave a sermon about, about reverence in the Eucharist, and mm-hmm. he started uh, tearing up during the sermon, and, it, and I was like, wow. And I had friends who were at the Mass when he was talking about it, and they were telling me, and they were like, you know, I just you could just tell his mm-hmm. love exactly. for our Lord and, and the holy tears. Like the one, this is the case I always talk about men shouldn't cry. This is one of the cases where men are allowed to cry. When you see our Lord being abused, <laughs> yeah. um, you're allowed to cry in that situation. I have, I have shed yeah, some tears sure. on that. Uh, the first time, I've shared this story in the past, uh, the first time I, I ever had something like this happen, I, uh, I was going to a daily mass, and I went to uh, stick my tongue out at communion time. And the priest was was afraid to touch my tongue, so he was just barely, just, just, just barely. And then I was afraid that the Lord was going to fall, so I raised my hand to brace the fall, to catch. And then in the process, I hit his ciborium and uh, knocked it out of his hand. And our Lord fell everywhere. Oh, no. I was just in terrible tears. I mean, I was wailing practically, and uh, he tried to comfort me afterwards. I was so, so disgusted by the situation. And then every, then after that, that was like the, the starting point. So every time I saw like a priest drop a host at the altar while, you know, moving hosts from one Saboria to the next, and with just what I would say, <sighs> what I would characterize as a lack of, of reverence and and uh, and uh, intentionality and drop, mm. you know, or every time I have to watch them put out, uh, and I don't mean to be critical here, I'm just explaining my own emotional response to this, but I've seen them drop hosts and then not know it, and then I'm like in the pew, and that's all I can do is focus yeah. on that. Like, I'm just like, I'm no longer, I'm emotionally distraught at that point. All I can see is I just want to scream. I'm like, and then, I, and then you're questioning, what's the appropriate thing to do? Is it to scream out? Hey, you're stepping on our Lord. Probably. You know, I've yeah. seen several, I mean, just several. And then, of course, watching them work between chalices, and I'm just worried about the big sleeves and like, oh. Oh, yeah. Gabriel Castillo did mm-hmm. a great video. I and mean, we interviewed about that, didn't we? I, I think can't we remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we did so many interviews. I forget, forget, I forget. Yeah. But uh, he did that video, which I mm-hmm. highly recommend to watch, yeah. of him showing how many particles are lost when great the video. priest pours the host into different ciboriums yeah. like that. I was shocked because I never have thought about that. Before. I'll include it. I think I have sent it in the email before, but I'll include it in this Friday's and mm-hmm. tomorrow's email blast. But uh, joining us now by phone uh, is our good friend, Hector Molina. Good morning to you, Hector. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Yeah. Excited to dive into 
this Sunday's gospel. Yeah, for uh, for for most Catholics, it's going to be uh, uh, the Feast of Christ the King, right? So uh, we got to celebrate it uh, last week, but uh, big times are coming this Sunday. What's the gospel? Well, the gospel is Luke chapter 23, verses 35 through 43, and this is the great solemnity of Jesus Christ, our Lord, sovereign King, the King of the universe. And this is what brings our liturgical year to a close, and then we begin a new liturgical year with the season of Advent. So the entire liturgical year, there's just a beautiful symmetry to it in that it it leads us to that definitive encounter with Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. This is ultimately pointing to our destiny. We're destined for the kingdom, and we're journeying in this pilgrimage of life towards that encounter with the King, our Lord, the King of the universe, Jesus. So this is really the climax Mm. of this liturgical year. It's been an incredible experience being able to unpack for this, year C, uh, the Gospel of Luke. And so this is our final um, foray into Luke's Gospel towards the end of the Gospel. And what's interesting, Joe, is, and I think what's going to strike many, is the Gospel is an account of the crucifixion Mm. for the Feast of Christ, the King. And it seems a little bit, you know, jarring and misplaced, but ultimately when you dig a little bit deeper, you recognize that the crucifixion really is a certain, in a certain sense, an enthronement of Jesus. Mm. Jesus reigns from the cross. And there's just such a rich typological and profound significance to this text in that we see Jesus, if we dig into the details, being portrayed as the new Adam as well as the son of David. And these are two of our Lord's titles and in this text, when you explore it, you see that Jesus is being tempted three times yeah. in this passage. You know, the people are watching. You have the rulers who are saying, wait a minute, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. So they're tempting him to save himself, not to fulfill his mission, but to deviate from that and to think only of himself. The second crowd basically is group is the soldiers who mocked him and basically declare if you are the king of the jews save yourself again save yourself there it is again and then finally one of the criminals turns to him and says are you not the christ save yourself and us so three times save yourself and this is obviously reminiscent of the garden of eden Mm. and the threefold temptation in the garden where Eve, who was the one that was first approached by the tempter, was seduced in a threefold temptation, and Adam by extension. So the first Adam surrendered. He succumbed to the threefold temptation to think of himself and to engage in his own desires and to not obey the command of God. Fast forward, Jesus in the desert is tempted three times. And essentially, you have another threefold temptation patterned after the first, essentially tempting Jesus to deviate, to think of yourself, to turn those stones to bread, you know, nourish your hunger, et cetera, et cetera. So there's just an incredible typological symmetry here with this notion of the threefold temptation. Now, 
where is Jesus? Jesus is at Calvary, at Golgotha. And in John 19, 41, it says, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. <laughs> Jesus is crucified in a garden. The ancients believed that Calvary was Eden, mm. that Eden, this was the place where the Garden of Eden was. So you have here the new Adam, Jesus, who is in the garden, who's being tempted three times, and he is affixed, crucified to a tree. He becomes the bread of life. He becomes the fruit of the tree of life. Not only that, but when he turns to the good thief, and he promises him what? Today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. And that same word, paradisus, in the Greek is a translation of the Hebrew word in Genesis for the garden. So you have all of this typological symmetry here pointing to Jesus as the new Adam, who is in and promises paradise, promises Eden to this good thief, thus opening up Eden once again. Remember that when Adam and Eve fell, they were cast out of the garden, and they were not allowed to reach out their hands to partake of the fruit of the tree of life. Well, here Jesus is. He is. Oh, my goodness. I get goosebumps. Just I know. About it. So good. Jesus is the new Adam, but what's more, he is the fruit of yeah. the tree of life, and he is giving us, essentially opening up access once again to this garden paradise, which is the kingdom of God. Mm. And then you have the David portion, where, where clearly there is a royal motif in this passage. Jesus is the new David. Jesus is the new David who, the anointed one, he is the Christ, that's what they call him in this very text. You know, if you are the Messiah, if you are the Christ. And this is a tie-in to David, who was anointed in Jerusalem as king of the Jews. And here Jesus is ascending the throne of the cross, reigning from on high, opening up the kingdom and paradise to all of us by virtue of the merits of his suffering and passion on the cross, provided we trust in him and place our faith in him, he promises us salvation. There's just so much going on yeah, in the gospel. So much. It's, it's so, so good. Yeah, praise be to God. And I'm a sucker for biblical typology. I got to tell you, Whew, man, I, I just I can I can see a type and under every single verse. I just I'm that yeah. kind of a guy. But nonetheless, one of the things I loved about this particular, uh, you know, uh, the, for this coming Sunday, it's the solemnity of our Lord uh, Jesus, King of the Universe. <laughs> I love that. He's not just king. I mean, he's king of the universe. I mean, there's nothing left. It's just everything. And uh, what an opportunity for us Catholics to embrace him as our king and our Lord of our entire lives and leave nothing left on the table but give it all over to him. But uh, praise be to God. Hector Molina, thanks for your insight into the gospel. It really does help us get ready. Awesome. My pleasure, my friend. Make sure to visit his website, HectorMolina.com. You can invite him to your parish. He gives parish missions and talks all the time to your next event. Or, and all of that, you can find his information, his contact and dates and everything over at HectorMolina.com. Or go on retreat with him, too. God bless you, Hector. Have a great day. Thank you, brother. All right. 
Time to play our game show. We're going to learn a few things and give out prizes. 877-757-9424. Call now. 877-757-9424. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god? In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshiping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true God by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their God. That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven. Just as the fact that there is a false god does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false god when we call our Father in heaven God. And there is a true queen of heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12 verse 1. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Let's see. There's a woman. She's in heaven. And she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true queen of heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary. We honor her just as Jesus honors her. So there is absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the queen of heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the king, then Mary is truly the queen mother of heaven. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show with secrets and agendas that you aren't going to tell anybody, right? I mean, promise me. Pinky swear. Is that is it a sin to pinky swear? Um, yeah. Just made me think about that. It's one. May, let your yes You're be swearing yes on and your pinky. no be no. Hmm. Anyway, don't tell anybody. <laughs> just, just promise me, give me your word, Pinky you won't tell brain. anybody. All right. Here are, here's the deal, though. All right. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something, and you may already know all these. I don't know. You're going to learn one thing. Let's just say you're going to learn one thing today, praise be to God. And then you're going to have a laugh, and we enjoy that. We love to laugh with our callers. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody. You could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. But the kicker is, the secret sauce is, we don't ask the caller the questions, so they might not know any of the correct answers. 
Uh, so the trick is I ask Adrian, I ask Rudy, one of which will have a correct answer. The other will have an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer after that goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week we're giving away another Every Sacred Sunday Mass Journal. Like We're really close to Advent, people. I don't mm. know if you realize, but next week is Thanksgiving, and then soon enough, Advent's going to be right around Is the it corner. Already Thanksgiving? If next week, can Oof. you believe it? Now, imagine yourself mm-hmm. being renewed this Advent. Imagine oh. yourself toting this beautiful journal to Mass wow. and following along with all of the readings, jotting down all those wonderful holy inspirations you, mm-hmm. you might receive from the, the yeah. homily, from the gospel, from yeah. all of the readings. Oh. You're going to be growing in your interior life. Hey, now. This week's prize was generously sponsored by Gloria Lopez. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Gloria, for giving us stuff to give mm-hmm. away for mm-hmm. our, our mm-hmm. game show. We Amen. really appreciate it. God Amen. bless you. Amen. Praise be to God. I wish I could take a straw poll. How, we, should, we didn't do that yesterday. How many, how many men journal? Hey, why do they call it? Why do they call it a straw poll? Straw poll. Uh, We have to look up the origin of the the Mm. phrase straw poll. We'll talk about it in the after show. We should take a straw poll. How many guys are journaling versus how many women are journaling? I have to believe it's like ninety ten. I lied to you, Joe. I do journal. Mm -hmm. I uh, I have a blank journal and I Mm -hmm. draw uh, prototypes in there for things I want to make. So that's how I journal. That's I don't actually. Doodling. That's not journaling. It's not doodling. Journaling is dear diary. Today I had a warm and fuzzy feeling. Dear diary, I hope nobody ever reads this, <laughs> especially my wife. Now, what's interesting <laughs> is, uh, boy, this is a rabbit hole. We're going to waste time, but we'll talk about it in the after show. After show. Because 100 years ago, a lot more men journaled. Yeah. So that's what true. changed? We'll talk about it in the after show. Let's go to the phones. We stopped going on uh, boats. Hey, good morning to you, Max. Good morning, sir. Praise be to God, Max. How are you? Blessed and highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. I like that, Max. That's pretty impressive. Uh, where do you go to church, Max? Charismatic Center. And is that in the one in Houston? Yes, sir. All yes, right. Sir. I know it well. I've been there. So been do you there. know Kim Sunderman and the Sunderman family? I'm sorry? Do you know Kim Sunderman and the Sunderman family? Yes, I do. Hey! Right. Small world. Praise Good be friends to God. of ours. Well, Max, we are yeah. glad you are here today, sir. Are you sitting in traffic? Uh, yes. Yikes. I'm almost a away. Better you than me, my friend. Better you than <laughs> That's me. That's what I always say. <laughs> Hopefully you, you offer it up with greater charity than I do, too. But uh, nonetheless, do you understand how the game works? Are you ready to play? I do, and yes. All right. Well, we are we are excited, and uh, I'm going to help you get into this cup in spite of these other two guys that are going to try to keep you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you and me, Max, against mm-hmm. them. Here we go. We start with uh, Brother Rudy, uh, which is dressed with... He's, he's, are you wearing a... There's no tie. He's wearing a smooth jazz outfit. He was outfit. doing like a Steve Jobs kind of a thing with oh, a yeah, turtleneck over there. Like uh, a jacket, no tie. <laughs> it's like a jazz fest going down over there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, cat. Oh, <laughs> Daddy-o? Daddy-o, I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> you look like somebody straight out of Berkeley from the 1960s. Mm, yeah, some might say I'm a professor. I see. Not okay. a liberal one, of course. <laughs> okay. Let's start with the easy ones first. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me who is the patron saint of children? 
The patron saint of children is St. John Bosco. Are you being serious? Yeah. You ever heard of any mm-hmm. of those those stories? He gathered mm-hmm. kids together, taught mm-hmm. them the faith. Yeah. They went on to become amazing kids, amazing adults. Okay. It's John Bosco. He was Verta certified, right? Yeah. Just curious. Virtues. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. He Got took it. it every year. Every two years. <laughs> every two years. He updated it. All right, uh, St. John Bosco. Uh, okay, let's just see what Adrian says. Adrian, uh, you have been known to act like children sometimes. Uh, yes. That's why I identify as they them, because I am multiple children. <laughs> could you tell me who is the patron saint of children, sir? Yes, well, that would be the great and jolly Saint Old St. Nicholas. Old St. Nicholas. Yeah. Uh, was is, he really was old? He jolly? jolly old Saint Nicholas. Was he actually jolly? I'm sure he was. Why would he not be? He mm. had uh, the joy of Christ in his heart. He's got the joy, 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 joy down, down in his heart. heart. Where? Down in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> or down in St. Nick's all right, heart. All right. Uh, <laughs> Brother Max in uh, Houston, Texas. You got options here. The patron saint of children, was it St. Nicholas, as Adrian is suggesting, or was it St. John Bosco, as Rudy would like us to believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Max, what say you, sir? Well, I would have to go with Adrian, because he never lets me go. (laughs) 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 So true. So what true, do Max. you mean he never lets you Max, down? You, sir, Max. are clearly oh. brilliant, wise, young. I just this man is clearly just like all around a savant at everything. I'm very impressed with this man. Max, Max. I had high hopes for you, brother. I did. I I really thought this could this be the one is what went through my head when I first talked to you. And the answer was yes. Now I don't know. I it's very clear to me. To admit Adrian is correct with such I hear, I hear I hear Max is very handsome. I don't know. Uh, he has a lot of his full head of hair. <laughs> all right, Max, I you're all right. See, he does. <laughs> you are oh, right. Great. So is Adrian. Saint Nicholas oh, is the uh, mm-hmm. Saint Nicholas is the correct <laughs> answer. Patron saint of children. Let's see if we can double your chances with this next question. We're going to go to Adrian first. Adrian. Yes, that's me. Uh, I know that you have advanced degrees in devotionologies. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, I, I saw that on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, so it must be true. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the devotion which commemorates 14 stages of our Lord's Passion mm. from Pilate's House to Mount Calvary? What do we call that? Yes, well, as someone who identifies as having a PhD in Calvarology, uh, which is a person who is an expert in all things Calvary. Got it. Yes. It's really impressive. It is. Um, especially story. to the Church of Calvary. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys really mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be called the Seven Sorrows Rosary. The Seven Sorrows mm-hmm. Rosary. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's very sorrowful. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. The Seven Sorrows Rosary, you say. Uh, Rudy, let's just see what you have to uh, offer up here today. Could you tell me, what is the name of the devotion which commemorates 14 stages of our Lord's passion from Pilate's house to Mount Calvary? I sure can, Daddy-O, and I ain't (laughs) copping a bit when I'm telling you that it's uh, (laughs) stations or the way of the cross. Ah, That was lit, no cap. I'm going to be honest with you. That's based. (sighs) This is... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, what is the name? Slam poetry. What is the name of the devotion which commemorates 14 stages of our Lord's passion from Pilate's house to Mount Calvary? Is that the stations of the cross or the way of the cross, as Rudy is suggesting, or is it the seven sorrows rosary, as 
Adrian would like us to believe. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Max, what say you? Well, like I said, I have to say it's Rudy because he never lets me down. (laughs) (laughs) Max, I'm starting to playing both sides. I'm starting to see things here. He's a politician here. Uh Keeping your options Uh open there, Max. (laughs) (laughs) You are right, though. Uh, Stations of the Cross, uh, the way of the cross, is the correct answer. But uh, seven is, you know. Uh, half of 14. So. It's true. So it's half right, yeah. one might say. Yeah. <laughs> You're in for two. Now, this could next question could arguably be a perfect score, but it also could be the hardest question you've ever had this in your entire life, This is definitely life, the Max. hardest question. But I'm going to tell you ever. this. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, there is a clue here. If you think back to priests who have served at the Charismatic Center, who might be related to this question, it could be a clue. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? Hmm. What does a reliquary contain? What does a reliquary contain? It contains relics of a lost age. <laughs> How does it go? Just generally speaking. Uh-huh. Okay. Not, not remains, nothing related to I'll the saints. See. Okay. Relics. Well, of let's see what Adrian age. says. Adrian, can you tell me what does a reliquary contain? A reliquary, well, I'm going to have to um, agree with, with Rudy and say that reliquaries contain relics. Relics Just not from the lost the saints. Age. Relics of the what? I'm sorry? The saints. Relics of the saints, you say? Yes. All right, Max, you got options. Is it a reliquary containing relics of the saints, as Adrian says, or reliquary containing relics of a lost age? As Rudy is suggesting, 15 seconds on the clock. Max, what say you, sir? I'm going to speed down Father David, and I think he just told me it was the relics of the saints. Relics of the saints. I was thinking of Father Carlos Martins, who used to be at the Charismatic Center, who is now the steward of the largest collection of relics in the world. You are right. I'm sorry. I said David. It was Carlos. Praise be to God. God bless you, Max. Perfect score. Perfect score, sir. You played well. You played like a master playing both sides like that. We enjoyed having you on. Thanks for having a laugh. Thanks for being on. We're going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere, Max, and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be praying for you. Join us in the after show. I want to know how many guys are journaling out there. Hmm. We'll talk about that, plus whatever else. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Of Hungary. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers, for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio, for a special intention for Dorota for her healing and health. Alleluia, sing, sing to Jesus, Jesus. He is the, the scepter, He is the throne. 
Hallelujah, is the triumph, is the victory alone. Hark the songs of peaceful Zion, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus, out of every nation, has redeemed us by his blood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, by whose gift St. Elizabeth of Hungary recognized and revered Christ in the poor, grant through her intercession that we may serve with unfailing charity the needy and those afflicted. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. It had writing on both sides and was sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a mighty angel who proclaimed in a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to examine it. I shed many tears because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to examine it. One of the elders said to me, Do not weep. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed, enabling him to open the scroll with its seven seals. Then I saw standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb that seemed to have been slain. He had seven horns and seven eyes. These are the seven spirits of God sent out into the whole world. He came and received the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. When he took it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each of the elders held a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the holy ones. They sang a new hymn, Worthy are you to receive this scroll and break open its seals. For you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God those from every tribe and tongue people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests for our God, and they will reign on earth. 
The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Sing to the Lord a new song of praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in their maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Let them praise his name in the festive dance. Let them sing praise to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord loves his people, and he adorns the lowly with victory. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Let the faithful exult in glory. Let them sing for joy upon their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. This is the glory of all his faithful. Alleluia. The Lamb has made us a kingdom of priests to serve our God. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus drew near Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If this day you only knew what makes for peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days are coming upon you, when your enemies will raise a palisade against you. They will encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will smash you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another within you, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. morning's readings we see the continuance of the theme of our march toward the end of the liturgical year and reflecting on the passing nature of the things of this world and the final coming of Christ and of course our own judgment in the context of the end of all things in fact in today's gospel we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem and really foreshadowing the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD and ultimately the destruction of the temple at that time temple which we should add has not been rebuilt until this day. I think when we think of Jesus making that statement over Jerusalem it would have been quite shocking to his listeners at that time to think that the glories of Jerusalem would have been shattered and that stone would have been turned over stone in the destruction of the temple. I think for us it is reminiscent that even in our own life we are called to be reminded of the passing nature of all things of this world and that perhaps sometimes in our life we also receive this sort of a thunderclap or this kind of awakening to our own mortality and to the passing nature of the things of this world. Uh, sometimes it may, may be when our health is taken away, sometimes it may be when uh, something in our life doesn't go the way we want it to or something is destroyed that has value to us and as challenging as those occasions may be 
There are always for us a chance for reflection to remember that the most important construction of our own life is really the goal of holiness and the state of our soul, which is the one thing from this world that will survive in order to have our final encounter with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at the end of our life. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would truly examine our lives as we move toward the end of the liturgical year, that we would prepare our hearts and perhaps even make a New Year's resolution, uh, not coinciding with January 1st, but rather coinciding with the new liturgical year that will begin with the first Sunday of Advent, and that we would ask that we truly have constructed our lives in such a way that it is built on the foundation of charity and faith, that when we go to meet the Lord Jesus, that it truly would be a lasting foundation whereby we would be recognized as having lived our life in accordance of being the glorious children of God. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, that they would be inspired by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in all their decisions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders and civic leaders, that they would be inspired to always respect and promote the dignity of human life at every phase from the first moment of conception until natural death, and to enact laws that would always respect the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering. Remember in a special way at this Mass, Dorota, for her successful surgery and healing. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray that we would never cling to the passing things of this world, but would keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. At the Lamb's high feast we sing praise to our victorious King who has washed us in the tide, flowing from his pierced side. Praise we him whose love divine gives his sacred blood for wine, gives his body for the feast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, Death's dark angel sheaves his sword. Israel's host triumphant go Through the wave that drowns the foe. Praise we Christ whose blood was shed 
Paschal victim, Paschal bread, with sincerity and love, eat we manna from above. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Receive, O Lord, the offerings of your people, and grant that we who celebrate your Son's work of boundless charity may, by the example of blessed Elizabeth of Hungary, be confirmed in love of you and of our neighbor through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For in the marvelous confession of your saints, you make your church fruitful with strength ever new, and offer us sure signs of your love. And that your saving mysteries may be fulfilled, their great example lends us courage, their fervent prayer sustain us in all we do. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks, as an exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, 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 Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenisun Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. and all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls and hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, 
John and Paul, Cosmas and Damien, and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers, in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his Almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high, in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who, though sinners, hope in your abundant mercies, graciously grant some share and fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord, 
through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Praeceptis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and who believes in me shall not thirst. No one can come to me unless the Father beckons, and I will raise you up, and I will raise you up, and I will raise you up on the last day. The bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. And if you eat of this bread, you shall live forever. You shall live forever. And I will raise you up. And I will raise you up. And I will raise you up on the last day. Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood and drink of his blood you shall not have life within you and i will raise you up and i will raise you up and I will raise you up on the last day. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we who are renewed by these sacred mysteries may follow the example of blessed, blessed Elizabeth of Hungary, who honored you with tireless devotion and by surpassing charity was of service to your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To Jesus Christ, our sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, all praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, victor, Christ Jesus, ruler, Christ Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. Your reign extend, O King benign, to every land and nation. For in your kingdom, Lord divine, alone we find salvation. Christ Jesus, victor, Christ The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. 
May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I'm Catherine Schaefer, music director at the Church of the Annunciation. 